Welcome to Comfortably Uncomfortable, Not Another Running Story. Thanks for joining us. We don't do small talk here. When we get outside and slightly uncomfortable, we get real, and we aim to continue these conversations here on this podcast. My name is Megan Fanning, and I'm the owner of Zendurance Now Coaching, and I'm joined by Sean Meehan, one of our coaches. Let's talk, let's get uncomfortable, and let's see where the conversation goes. The information in this podcast represents the views and opinions of Zendurance Now only. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice or treatment. We may be right, we may be wrong. Either way, be a solid human. If you're thinking about making a questionable decision, please seek out a qualified medical or psychological professional. Hello, Sean. How are you? I am good, Meg. How are you doing on this wonderful day that the Patriots are sucking up so bad? <laughs> um. I don't really care about football, but what I do care about is that one of our dear friends is on the podcast today. Um, so do you want to introduce our friend? Do you want me to introduce her? Uh, Can we fight over it? Come on, let's fight over it. Come on. Rock, paper, Shoot, scissors. ready? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> go ahead, Meg. So I met Sarah actually through, through you, um, And Sarah is one of the coolest people I know. And the reason I say that is there are very few people in life that I think actually walk the walk, talk the talk. And I think Sarah does that. And Sarah, I think you, you all were out for a run. I came late. So we ended up just talking on the deck, Sarah, you and I of um, Sean's Vermont place for like I, it, for like hours while we were waiting for, um, for all the runners to come back and we clicked. I mean, cause I don't, I don't like small talk. It's sort of the premise of this, of this podcast. Um, but, but Sarah and I, I think uh, I felt like we clicked and both of us had a lot of, you know, shared experiences and Sarah, I think you're really cool because you want to do all these insane adventures <laughs> and you do it You do it, but the way you get them done is just by completely dedicating yourself to said adventure. And it's not just the training, but it's the lifestyle. Like if you need to save money for something, you're going to save money for something (laughs) there. You need to, you need to make more money to go on your adventure. Well, you're going to work harder. It's just like walking the walk and and talking the talk. So, um, so welcome, welcome to our podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. (laughs) And I met Sarah through Jason Como back, I think, when I was training for Death Race. I think Sarah oh. trained with me a couple times. She was interested <laughs> in what was going on with Death Race. And uh, Jason Como put us in touch. She came out and we did some some stuff over Mount, up and over Mount Tom. And then Sarah being the, uh, the, the nomad that she is and, like, ending up in weird places, like, Sarah's even run into like my friends Annie Meisler like on the trails like <laughs> in like Penn, which is like, oh, do you know so and so? And like <laughs> hung out and ran with him. Like, that's who Sarah is. Like, wanna meet, <laughs> wanna meet someone on a trail and like right. randomly have a conversation for like four or five hours. Yes. <laughs> that's Sarah. 
Thanks, guys. Right, like, everybody, everybody likes Sarah. I don't think there's anybody that doesn't like you. Everybody loves you. So, and there will be more. There will be more Thanks. people that love you after this podcast. Yeah, it's impossible. It's impossible not to like and respect um, our dear friend. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got you. I don't think we gave anybody else this nice of an intro. So I hope everybody else that's been on the podcast doesn't get offended. <laughs> So the reason we brought you on is uh, just to talk about your life and adventures and <laughs> all the all the cool things that you do. So I think like the best way to get into it, get into it is just tell us like who you are, what you do, you know, where you live and how you got into this world of endurance that <laughs> that that allowed us all to be friends. Ooh, oh, man, going back like a decade now that's hard to believe but um I was I wanted to get outside more and meet more people and I eventually started doing obstacle course races and back then they were up and coming so if you even had like a profile picture on Facebook that you were jumping over the fire and had mud all over your people would friend <laughs> you so that you could all share a hotel room and that's how I met Jay actually and next thing I know, I'm meeting new friends. Like actually, Sean and I drove to the New Jersey Super one time and shared a campsite. Uh, do you remember that one? That was a way <laughs> a while ago. Yeah. Uh, then Meg and I met you. That was Vermont Mountain Running Camp while we were waiting for everybody to get back from a longer run. And yeah, eventually I ended up in Colorado because I lived in a van for a while on the way back. I lived in Colorado for about two and a half years. <sighs> I loved it out there, but it's super expensive. And I really missed having the community around. And, but since I kind of fell away from having friends around, I started going, well, what do I want to do? I don't really like running. That's no secret. So I started hiking. <laughs> Sean, you, you can laugh at that. Um, <laughs> and so I started like thinking about oh, how much I missed Colorado, but I want to do bigger things. I want to see international stuff before I get too old to actually enjoy some of it. And so Nepal was always a dream. Nepal happened in 2019. 2020 was supposed to be Kilimanjaro. That almost happened, but a week and a half out, there was actually, the flights got canceled again because of a fairly sizable earthquake. And I figured it's not a good time to spend a week on a volcano or even check out uh, Zanzibar, which is nearby. So 2021 was Kilimanjaro, and that was rough because of how high it went. It was 19,341 mm. feet at the summit and cold. <laughs> and then coming back from those two, two trips, I went, I want to see something not everyone's already been to because the amount of trash and the amount of toilet paper was so disappointing. People need to learn how to pack out their garbage and their toilet paper. On, on Kilimanjaro? On, the, on oh. the last push. And I don't want to scare people away from going. I just want people to pick up after themselves because yeah, it doesn't absolutely. disintegrate out there. You know, right. like we need to take better care of our environment just because you're there for a week and you're having a really rough time. <laughs> I get it. Mm -hmm. Trust me. I was there too. I wanted to puke the first mm -hmm. 45 minutes. We got seven more hours to the summit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but then, uh, so I started reading this book called Savage Summit. It's about the first uh, five women to summit, kill, um, excuse me, K2. Mm -hmm. And I went, Ooh, it looks really beautiful Ooh. over there. And I went, oh, Pakistan, that's going to scare some people. This is going to be interesting. And then everybody saw 14 summits and 
So even my poor dad, I said, I'm going to go K2 base camp. He's like, you're going to climb K2. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm going to take a picture of K2 and turn around and come home. And like you said, if like, I, I will pick out an adventure and I base my life on how do I get there? If I need to do more side jobs, doing yard work, whatever. But that that's part of, uh, in Colorado too. I was doing all kinds of side gigs and I said, I want to change my life for the better. I want to help people set myself to massage school and then start saying, okay, what do I want to do with it? So when I found sports stretch in 2021, that has given me an avenue to do deeper work on athletes that they, they need that type of work Mm -hmm. done versus when I, when I work on the table, it's more like relaxing. If you have anxiety, if, if you're having trouble with that sort of thing, I can help you if you have bad headaches, but you want somebody to beat the crap out of you. I'm not your girl and I'm okay with that. But <laughs> the average uh, span that somebody's a massage therapist as a professional is only about five years. And I think part of it is because they're wow. willing to just beat the crap out of people. It beats the crap out of us too. Yeah. So I wanted to find other ways and sports. I'm pointing to the map that's behind, <laughs> behind my phone here. Um, since I got to work on guys that not, I'm not kidding when I say where they were drafted into the NFL only a few months afterwards. So these, these are big beefy fellas, you know, right. but, uh, but I want to bring that to the trail community and to century rides. Cause it's stuff I've done. It's people I can relate to. So, yeah. And you were in the, you were in the military too, right? Yeah. Back 2002 to 2006, I was a medic in the military. I was real lucky cause I just got sent to Korea and then Virginia I what tried range? to volunteer in the army and luckily they say they wanted nurses, not medics. <laughs> Cause looking back, I'm like, Phew. well, you know, right. you're 20 yeah. and I want to save a life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they brainwash you a bit. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always like what I like your journey through endurance sports. Like, and that's, that's what I think is really interesting about you. You, cause right now, like you're in a space where you do endurance sports and endurance athletics and you're involved in it, but not in a traditional way. It's not like you're like, Oh, I'm going to go out and run a hundred mile. I'm going to go out and run a marathon. I'm going to go out and ride a century. And, and it's not that you won't do those things, but your like goal is like, I want to hike a big mountain. I want to like find, like, I want to find a new adventure. And that's not what everyone thinks about when they think about endurance athletics, right? They think about like running that marathon or, uh, you know, Killington's Spartan race was this weekend, right? Like they right. think about the OCR, like they think about those things and they don't think about how their life can be part of an endurance sport. Like when people say stuff like I'm training for life, that's literally what you do. Like, and that's, <laughs> that's fucking rad. <laughs> I appreciate you seeing it that way. Cause I just, I just do it. And then other people were like, Hey, that was cool. Like, thanks. I, I guess so. Just, uh, it just, that's what keeps me interested and keeps me going. You know, if I'm not interested, I won't run. <laughs> so, yep. But if, uh, but if I'm curious, that's what had me almost finish the first 50 that I did not train enough for is it was one giant loop, but you put me on a loop course. Once I've seen it, once the sun comes up and I've seen everything, <laughs> I don't care. Get me out of there. But if it's something I haven't seen before and I can bring some sort of way to record it, not because of social media, I originally went to uh, college for photography. So that's part of what drives it. And that's why when I come back from like a marathon, I've got all these pictures. Oh yeah, I could finish a lot sooner if I didn't stop and take pictures. But that's part of what brings the joy for me. And it's, like I said, it's not to get likes on Facebook. I just, 
I have a lot of friends and family that they they can't do these things. And they're like, wow, thanks for bringing that to us because we can't or don't want to. (laughs) Don't blame them. (laughs) I think the other thing is you're like when we talk about being uncomfortable, you're really part of you really likes to be uncomfortable. Yeah, like, I like those, I like those the are, part after. <laughs> I was gonna say a lot of a lot of the adventures you go on, there has to be days and days and days <laughs> where you're very uncomfortable. And I remember when you were out in Colorado and you were doing that um, that study out in Colorado, right? I, I think it was at, at University of Colorado Boulder, and you were doing like uh, training or like altitude stuff and uh, working on like VO2 max at altitude and trying not to like vomit and stuff like that and the there was like a weird level of excitement that you got from that. <laughs> yeah, the, the altitude sickness study really did inform these adventures because honestly, after getting back from Nepal, I was going through, you know, post-adventure depression. So I went to Monadnock because the trees were beautiful and was like, all right, at least, at least this is something. And I met this guy in his 70s. And he and his nephew were coming back down the mountain and they told me about how he just achieved his dream of climbing Kilimanjaro. And I was like, I don't want to wait till I'm 70 to do these things. So I looked into it and I was like, and I can go on a safari and I get to go scuba diving all within the same area. Why would I not want to do this? And just, uh, but by, I was part of an altitude sickness study for the government actually that they couldn't find any females to finish the job because the last part of the study, they well, they start you out with hooked up to O2, so your body thinks that you're at sea level, which I live at an altitude. I live at an altitude about 42 feet. I'm not exaggerating, so these things are tricky. But uh, they they put you up a little bit higher each day, and on the last day, they bring you type top of Pike's Peak without time to adjust. They hook you up to all the machines. They check out. They don't tell you what's going on. I remember it was like the lights were flashing. I don't know how long it took. They don't tell you, like I said, until you get done with the study and you're completely done with even the part in Massachusetts. And they told me, they're like, yeah, it took you two and a half hours to do that 5K and your O2 sats were in the low 70s. I'm like, well, that was risky, but I know I can do (laughs) Kilimanjaro if I can suffer through that, you know, so it, it helps give me confidence to do that and I know it's kind of neat because I've done enough of them not to be overconfident but to kind of know where I'm at with O2 sets without the pulse ox on me because I've experienced it enough and I think that's important when your mind starts going oh shit we're gonna die and it's like no you're gonna wake up in the morning and be okay but right now you need to hydrate and keep pushing the food (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah well why don't we why don't we start Let's start um, pre-Nepal and uh, and just walk through your walk through your adventures and just tell us Ooh. tell us about how you got <laughs> to Nepal and and uh, and then uh, from Nepal we have Kilimanjaro and Pakistan so we're, we're not messing around here. <laughs> <laughs> no, right on. No, um, let's see. So the military was the first time I was overseas, but. Like the, the PA that I used to work under in the aid station would say, it's like, you'll get to go everywhere, but you won't get to make any choices. Yeah, and it was like, you're making a good point. So I knew I had to find a way to travel on my own. And then let's, I knew I didn't like running on roads. <laughs> so then trails and honestly, um, my degree, my bachelor's from Goddard College was a study on uh, gender equality in sports. 
And we oh had to volunteer somewhere for that was part of our credit for earning our degree. And I ended up volunteering at a Spartan race. And that's how it ended up at the obstacle courses. And like once in a while, would friends would go out to the mountains and stuff. And honestly, that's where I felt more alive was like heading out to the White Mountains, like where you just were. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I missed that. But it's right. a four to five hour drive from where I am, which is fine on the way up. But man, on the way back, it's rough. <laughs> well, you can always stop at my house. My house well, is, I you. mean, <laughs> depending on where, um, depending on which which mountain you go to, it could be anywhere from an hour and 45 minutes to two and a half hours. So if you ever want to lay over, so to speak, we have plenty of, plenty of room. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. So I pull over and take a nap quite often. Cause like I said, after is tough. Let's see. Mm-hmm. 2011 sure. was, was Peru. Uh, one of my friends and I went into a rock climbing and he goes, guess what I'm doing this summer? And I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to hike to Machu Picchu. And I said, is it rude if I invite myself? He's like, no, the more the merrier. I'm bringing friends and they're bringing friends and their friends are bringing friends. So um, he actually, he's my friend that I was raising funds for suicide awareness Mm -hmm. and help for the families because he took his life in, uh, I think it was 2020, the beginning of 2020 or the end of 2019, somewhere in there. I'm I'm on the spot, so I can't remember. That's okay. Thank you. He had climbed Kilimanjaro and I was all excited to compare notes with him when I got back because he's the only person I knew other than like Fab. Fab's done some awesome shit too. Um, And say, hey, and uh, I was like, okay, how can I make this useful to the community somehow? So I tried to raise donations for, frankly, the families of the survivors, really. And then uh, that was too long ago and did all the trail races and, and it was great especially the community is really what kept me going back because i love you guys you guys are amazing you guys inspired the shit out of me and i was like you guys are alive you know versus like nothing wrong like trust me i'm gonna veg out on a couch some days too i don't want to get out of bed and train you know but i know how i feel after and i know that mountain's gonna kill me if i don't and like i said after nepal (laughs) i met the guy that just did kilimanjaro and then after that i was like okay what hasn't everybody seen? And when I saw the photos from Pakistan and I read the blogs, I was doing my research. I've even sent Sean some of my research by accident when I was, <laughs> sometimes I'm on, I'm on the treadmill with my backpack with the bricks in it. I'll uh, email my stuff, myself stuff to read later. And I sent it to Sean because when you put in S, yes. <laughs> here comes it. it's like, you sent me some PCT stuff. I'm like, oh shit, I did. I wonder why I didn't get that. <laughs> I emailed myself, but on a treadmill, you know, yes. but, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and like I'm saying, everybody was in their blog, say it's the hardest thing they've ever done, but they had said that about Kilimanjaro too. And frankly, the hardest part of that was that eh, third day, there was some altitude sickness, but the last day summit day, that was the hardest day. But honestly, like it was so cool. I don't know what happened in my brain, but I woke up, I was, I was nervous going up to it, wondering how the altitude sickness was going to play out. But then the last day we get up, well, I got up at 10 because I know if I drink a Nalgene of water in an hour, I'm going to pee it all out. All right, let's get going. And I'm ready. I have a snack before we even start. And and I was just like, okay, let's let's just get it over with. There wasn't any fear anymore. It was just, I know I just got to put one foot in front of the other. So I think that's old army training playing into that mm-hmm. there. And because you go up. You celebrate, you cry, you come back down to where you were, and then you go another, I think it was like five miles, but it was a long, 
my my trekking buddy. There's one other lady with me. She was from New Jersey. She'd never done anything like this before. And I tried to help her. She's like, oh, I hiked back home. I'll be fine. She almost didn't even come out of her tent the last day. We had to stop so she could like clip her toenails on the way down. I was pissed because I was exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but I have to to ask you. So, because Kilimanjaro is on my list. Just what was it like at the time? All right, Tell me, just uh, tell me what it was like so I can vicariously experience this through you. Freaking cold. <laughs> cold, hard to breathe. Honestly, in the moment, I told myself too, because part of my training when I'm on the treadmill is I'll watch videos of people that are successful and put it in my brain. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to feel the boards to that sign. I don't remember how the boards to that side felt at all. I was just glad that we were there. Can we turn around and go back? Because I wow, feel like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. Like that. But it was just the last part is so tough. And I was even asking the guy, he's like, are you sure I'm still okay to keep going? He's like, keep going. <laughs> so, you know, thank well, God for them. It's interesting. And I, and I talk about this sometimes about training for anything, like whether it be a race or, you know, like hiking a mountain, whatever, whatever it might be that you're, you're training for. If you have that goal, it's not the goal itself. It's like all of it leading up to the goal. If you don't like that, the journey, right? It's such a cliche, but it's it's, true. Yeah. That it's like, it's like the the end is not going to be worth anything. Like it's got to enjoy the whole thing. (laughs) You'll never, you'll never make it to the end if you don't enjoy it. And that's like, like you're saying, like, I want to know what the board feels like. And then you get there and you're like, I have no idea what the board feels like. After. <laughs> I've had like, I've had races where I've like crossed the finish line, had like my best race ever. And I'm like, I don't know what happened. People like ask for stories and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't know. Like, this, <laughs> right? like you remember like little bits and fragments and like, then someone will also tell a story. And you're like, did that really happen? Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> right? remember that at all. You know? So. totally no that's why the pitchers helped me out a little because it's like oh yeah we had that the that was really good that day or something like that but yeah you're totally right because in the moment you're just so in the and that's part of the beauty is i can be fairly anxious but when i'm doing this shit nothing else matters other than breathing and moving forward and so all the anxiety just melts away and that's eh, when i get to go to another country it's it's like an escape room We're like, all right how much of the language can i pick up like like, I really love uh, some Swahili. My favorite phrase is, la la salama. That means rest well. Doesn't it sound like a song? Like, it's yeah. beautiful. I, like I it. mean, you all know some Swahili if you've ever seen The Lion King. Half of that yes. is mm-hmm. accurate. And, but that's embarrassing, too, now, because you go to Zanzibar, and they're like, hakuna matata, because I know the tourists know that. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the, the last day? How far is that last push? On um, Kilimanjaro? Yeah. I don't know. Troy's getting ready for work. I don't know how far it was. I know most people, I think it takes six or seven hours, took us eight to get yeah. to the top. And that it took me two hours to come back down. <laughs> Our wow. guide, Mourinho, he goes, Sarah, do you do races back home? And I was like, I used to actually. <laughs> and the other lady took her a little longer because she was being careful. And that's that's tough too. Is there's the way people come? It's all sand, and so it's easy. It's kind of like skiing, but you step and you slide into the the sand, and it's 
if you fall, it's not going to hurt. St. Helens, Mount St. Helens is like that. When, when I remember I've done it a couple of times, but coming down, it's almost, it's like, um, sand rock skiing. Yeah. And you just have to go, you just have to go with the, with the feet slide. As long as you just just go with it, it's totally fine. If you try to step carefully, I think it would be exhausting. Um, but and yeah, you're I just, already I just wiped with it. from trying to breathe <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What other questions do you have? Let me know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't so, know what to talk about. I don't know what people want to hear about. So how long, <laughs> how long does it take you to get back down to the, from to the bottom? Star? Yeah. Can you, can Oh yeah. It's pretty amazing. Cause I, well, I took the longest route. There's a few yeah. different routes and because starting from pretty much sea level, I took uh, the Mosho route. So it mm-hmm. took what? six days to go up and then about a day and a half to come back down. The way down is the same for everybody. So you right, got one okay. camp and then you're back and you know, cause was it crowded? COVID, that not, that's the thing is before COVID, I think it's normally about 30,000 people that try to summit a year. It's the most summited. I don't like, know giant, what it giant peak in the world, right? Yeah. It's cause you just got to walk. I mean, the Barranco wall, ooh, you know, they, you got to do a little bit, mm-hmm. but I mean, um, compared to, compared to other things, it's, it's really not risky. If, if the porters can carry a giant bag on their head on top of their backpack on their back and walk up there, you're, you're going to be fine with your little backpack. It <laughs> sounds exciting. Yeah. Like I said, it's on my, it's on my list. For sure. And I actually had a had a picture of it on my wall for the longest time. And the only reason it's not on my wall now is because I moved and uh, probably in probably in a packing box somewhere. But now you've inspired me to pull it out. <laughs> oh, man, do it. And if you want to know, and it's like you get what you pay for. But and I can tell you that the fair trade, uh, fair travel Tanzania top notch. They take care of their people. They like, we would see when we went on a safari, we saw other people that had like pre-packaged meals. Our meals came in containers that they would wash out and reuse their, um, it wasn't like plastic forks. Oh yeah. Plastic bags aren't allowed over there. Single use plastic bags aren't allowed. And you're going to find some, if you buy some coffee, it's under the fabric. But, Hmm. uh, so they're trying because they burn their trash and that's why they don't want to have plastic. But um, that type of thing. And they, they like I was saying, pioneer guides, top notch. So these guys had clothes and shoes. Like, I didn't know about this stuff when I went to Peru. And luckily, my the company, I didn't know anything about fair and safe travel and all that. So I uh, we saw people that the guys were in snow. There's snow up in uh, Dead Woman's Pass out in Peru for the first. They said that my guide said he's only seen that about five times in 10 years. These guys are carrying everybody's trash in there my trash i mean they're all their gear that maybe a little extra they didn't need and their flip-flops you know just oh my goodness that's the other thing there's no there's no regulate regulatory anything for in nepal right now so you'll see people carrying i'm not exaggerating kids that are probably 16 18 years old carrying backpacks and packages the size of a refrigerator and they look at you from their sweatband like screw you and i can't blame them one bit because it's the tourism that's causing that well luckily in tanzania they have somebody go with the groups and make sure that there's a certain amount of weight that the porters carry and not more than that nothing like that in pakistan yet either but pakistan is kind of new to the game so they're they're learning a lot and 
And well, right now, because of the flooding, I'm really concerned for them because they're really they're they're trying. They they wanted this to be the year to invite everybody over. And while I was over there, the uh, the flooding started, and they said that K two season might be over this year because there were so many landslides. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so that's a good that's a good transition. So you finish you finish Kilimanjaro. Um, you you get back to quote you know typical life whatever that is and <laughs> and and you get this spark in your mind about about Pakistan and the thing that the thing that surprised me most it didn't surprise me that you that you did this it didn't <laughs> you know the adventure didn't surprise me but so many people on social media being very concerned for you doing this and i thought to myself well, if she was a man, like Sean, if you were doing this, would people be like, oh, be safe? And maybe they would. I, I don't know, because Pakistan, I guess, may, you know, maybe it's unsafe for, for any Americans. I, I literally have no idea. But but I was kind of like, well, of course she's going to be safe. I mean, it's Sarah. I, you know, I, <laughs> it just it just seemed it just seemed silly to express that level of concern, but why don't you just you know, talk us through the journey and talk us through how it started and what you had to do for safety, what you had to pack, just as many, it, the more details you give us, the better. We love yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say, well, not to interject, but the idea of like summoning Kilimanjaro or getting up to K2 base camp or any of that stuff, that, that aspect of it doesn't give me any anxiety whatsoever, right? Like, the idea of like the physical activity of like doing that. Like, I'm like, Oh, I can, I can totally wrap my head around that. Like, I understand that the idea of like flying into like a foreign country where you don't speak any language whatsoever. <laughs> and it's not like, and some of it's, I mean, it's going to sound really like awful, but like, it's not like flying into Europe where like, it's very, oh, for sure. it's very That's like structured <laughs> and civilized. And like, there's, there's like a very, there's a rawness that exists in it. And like, almost like a chaos that kind of like exists. And that's, that's the biggest oh, yeah. thing that's like, <laughs> like flying, like that would terrify me. That would like, that's where all my anxiety would lie. The really? aspect wow. of the physical, yeah. The, the physical aspect of doing the, the, the activity or the goal wouldn't bother me at all. It's just all the, um, the travel and all that stuff. But so I guess my question is, do you travel mostly with guides? Do the guides like meet you? Like, how does that all work? Is also yeah, in, in, in so, regard to that. Yeah, walk us I, through all this. All right. So I find somewhere I want to go. I see mm, what where the price points are. Does this even make sense financially? Can I do this in a year or two? And uh, then I start, I try to find, I look for a company that's based in the country that I'm going to. So I'm not paying Europeans that live over there, not paying Americans that happen to live in Nepal or wherever. I want to, I want to support the community. And that's one of the reasons I went to Langtang Valley instead of like Everest Base Camp. Freaking everybody goes to Everest Base Camp, but Langtang Valley is still rebuilding since the uh, earthquakes of 2015. So I'm trying to bring money to those places. But I, once I find a local company, I start looking at reviews and I, if, if there's too many negative ones that'll Go okay, maybe that's not the best one to go with. I mean, it's they're going to happen. It depends. You got to read the reviews because if somebody puts one star and like they didn't have the type of food I like, well, no kidding. <laughs> you know, it's or it was there was a bug that landed in my food when I was dining outside. People write reviews about crazy stuff, but you do your research about that. 
and you make sure it's a company that's going <laughs> to, at least they say, they're going to pick you up at the airport. Um, but this is interesting because like in it for Nepal, that's what happened. They, they picked Troy and I up at the airport. And then when I got to Tanzania, they picked me up at the after all the COVID tests and stuff, because that was going on 2021. Well, I showed up to Pakistan and that was wild because it's very male dominated society. So all these guys are all waiting for their people. And there's maybe 10 women max, you know, so I'm feeling a little intimidated, but I'm like, it's okay. They're going to pick me up. I got my bags. And this is where the first bit of hospitality, like uh, hospitality started to happen is the guy came over and he saw my bags and he had a guide hat on. And he's like, you waiting for your company? It's like, yeah, he goes here. Here's my so I thought it was awesome that when my phone wasn't working and you could tell by the look on my face, I'm like, huh? Cause I knew the hotel I had to get to. Do I, get in a random taxi, hope they don't drive me around town 18 times before bringing me to the hotel. <laughs> uh, do I join with these other, there was a European guy that asked me if I'd like to join a taxi. I'm like, I would, but I want to make sure there's not somebody here waiting for me first. But what ended up happening was two guys offered me to use their phone and they spoke uh, Urdu to the folks at that were waiting for me to let them know where I was because I couldn't hear them on the other side. Yeah. So I had some folks helping me out with their phones. Uh, when I was, when I was in town and I didn't go in town alone, I, I went with a fellow from, from England. He said, Hey, I know you don't want to go in town alone. I'm going to town. Do you want to go? And we would go. And I swear, I'm not even exaggerating when I say like every 40 feet, somebody's like, hello, Come over. We'll share a tea. Why don't you stay for dinner? How long are you here? And do you like it here? And when can you come back and bring your family and we'll all have dinner? And and everybody wants you to love it and tell everybody in the world how great Pakistan is. And they're wow. very, they're very proud and they're very passionate. Oh yeah, so I was telling you about the not so great part. So no, so hold on a second. I'm gonna. I have to. I have to. I have to pause. So. <laughs> I'm like so skeptical. I would think everyone was trying to like screw me over. Like they're trying to sell me something. And they're trying to like do like, I wouldn't take it as like kindness. I would take it as like someone's trying to get over on me. That's like my cynical brain just constantly works. And that's have, your American brain. Well, that's I've, what's going on. <laughs> I've, I've spent a lot. I mean, I have spent a fair amount of time in Europe and there's a lot of that in Europe, right? There's always someone trying to kind of like sell something to you or something like that. Oh, big time. And well, part of it, luckily, since I, I had a companion, I was like, all right, we got, you know, two sets of eyes. Well, this is this is kind of a funny story. I said, I want to get on a tuk-tuk because I haven't before. And he goes, okay, okay we'll so just what's, have a, a, what's a tuk-tuk? Okay, so <laughs> it's a small motorized vehicle that usually doesn't have any doors. There's different versions. So there's one that it's like a motorcycle with a little back to it. Some of them are more like a golf cart. <laughs> But I just thought, why not? Because we're here. And he said, we'll have the guy bring us around the block and bring us right back here. And I said, I really think we should give him a destination. I don't think that's going to be easy to translate. And, and Stefan goes, no, it'll be fine. Well, this guy, he gestures like, you want to take pictures? And we're like, yeah, sure. Okay. And we ended up at the zoo 45 minutes away because he wanted to show us the tigers and then he brought us back but oh i gosh. mean it, <laughs> and then this next guy when they're saying hey so, oh this is important so it was a holiday um 
And so a lot of people were either home with their families, but that's also partly why they wanted to share their meals with you. And uh, it's a, it was a Muslim holiday called Eid. Okay. And so when we were going by, there was a gentleman and then somebody about his age and then an older gentleman. And they were in like the doorway over by where their cars are. We're like, okay, we're not going in anywhere. Shouldn't be a problem. I had, I never drink soda, but it was something I knew wasn't going <laughs> to give me the runs. He had right. some tea. I had a soda. And the guy goes, why don't you come with me down this alley? Now that's when I'm like, thank God I'm with you. Cause I am not going down some alley with some guy. <laughs> But we go down the alley and he brings us to this kind of forbidden building that's locked up. There's a guard and you can tell the guard is visibly uncomfortable. The guy gives him a card because he's a lawyer. As in say, if you're in trouble, (laughs) don't worry, I got you covered. They let us in this building and we went up these brick stairs to the top of this building where we were being real careful because it looked like your leg could go through at any point. And he said, I want to show you my city from the tallest point. And we got to see the city from the tallest point of this building. He brought us back down after he pointed out like where he and his family and his sister, everybody lives. And next time you guys are in this country, make sure you find me. Here's my card and stay for dinner next time. And that's just what they do. It's amazing. And and everybody's so proud. And when I did run into trouble over there, I was saying the head of housekeeping was trying to get a little too friendly when he called my room asking if he could give me a massage. And I told him he's being inappropriate, hung up the phone, barricaded the door. Because in my mind, the head of housekeeping has keys, right? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So I had um, a couple of very heavy glasses that were like next to my refrigerator. I I put those on my bedside table because I'm like, if that guy tries coming in the door, I'm going to make sure we find who he was. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I eventually go to sleep. And in the morning, their Wi-Fi is working again. So I contact the company and say, hey, this is what's going on. I don't want other solo female travelers to deal with this crap. Okay, so even though it was a holiday, the manager of the hotel... The guy that was in charge of us for the tour company in the hotel and the owner of the hotel, the owner of the hotel came and visited and they gave me a bouquet of flowers and they apologized and they said, this isn't what our country is. We don't want this to represent who we all are. We're sorry we hired this guy. He had a really good reputation and we're embarrassed this is happening. So even though one guy was being, you know, inappropriate and he wasn't even from Pakistan, he was from India. He had three other guys embarrassed and apologizing for his behavior. So we really need to get this idea of Pakistan being bad because we don't know anything about everybody thinks like deserts and camels. Yeah. There are a couple camels because they were selling camel milk on the side of the road, but there was so much lush and green and there was this beautiful, like, glacier fed lake that we got to go eat this afghani meal at that was like fit for a king it was just ah man (laughs) i think what i think of and and this is my ignorance it's just what i've seen on the news and i know from the military that's yeah and and really that's i otherwise i'm i'm kind of ashamed to say i really don't know and um so yeah so this is super enlightening Oh, and that's part of why I wanted to go. Because, are you familiar with Eva Zubek at all? No. 
She does world traveling stuff. Latest, uh, latest adventure. She's like driving up to Alaska. She was actually in Montana the same time I was this summer and she did a meetup, but I didn't get to go because it was like after I had left. But anyway, she's been like, she lived in Pakistan for two years. She's from Poland, you know, mm-hmm. so she looks like us and same thing. All her friends and family were worried. And she did this, I can send you this presentation and she shows all these like newspaper clippings of like, you know, terrorism and all this stuff. And now everybody views Pakistan, which, you know, that's what I find, too. And you're going to die if you go by yourself, especially as a female. God, and yeah, it sounds scary. But I even asked my friend, um, Kate, Kate's living in Thailand right now. So I got to visit her after because it's five and a half hour flight from Pakistan. But I asked her because she even uh, she was in Iran for a while. She's been all over. But she uh I asked her, is it a stupid idea to go to Pakistan as a solo female American? She goes, no, why? <laughs> I was like, well, no, you don't think, <laughs> you know, she's like, That's, everything's <laughs> fine over there. Why? So it's, I wouldn't be as lackadaisical as that. You definitely got to, you know, there's a little machismo you got to deal with. But if you, you know, I don't drink. So if you're not going and, and most most people over there aren't supposed to because they're Muslim anyway, I'm sure people do. But, you know, as long as you're not doing anything where you're going to not have your wits about you, like anywhere, like I wouldn't even do that in Chicago, you know? Yeah, true, true. Wow. So, okay. So, so tell us about, uh, tell us about the climbing. Tell us about the adventure. Now, if, if anyone, you know, that knows Sarah, Sarah, you posted a ton of, of pictures and, and narratives, um, on I saw them I saw them on Facebook so I was following all of these and when <laughs> and I didn't know and I actually I think I actually reached out to you before you were back in the United States but yeah I you totally to did Sean, I was like I'm in Thailand I'm sorry yeah, <laughs> yeah I was because because Sean Sean it isn't on Facebook a lot so I was like screenshotting your stuff sending it over to Sean I was like we have oh, to talk to Sarah like this is just the in adv- it not just the climbing, but just all of the, I'm going to say all of the stuff that happened and let you just fill in what I mean by stuff. (laughs) Oh yeah. Okay. So I had a feeling it was going to be tough and uncomfortable, but like Sean said, there's part of me that digs that. Not when it's going on. That's why we do it, right? Yeah. yeah, right. When when it's going on, I hate myself. I'm like, why can't I like something like knitting? You know, <laughs> like yes. this is this shit's getting harder. Crawling out of a tent while it's freezing at midnight is not fun. And like that's obvious to people that don't do this stuff. But when I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, why? But then when I get to do the photos and I get to help teach people about new places, that's really rewarding. Or try a new food because the food is always better. Like the food, I don't really care for Chinese food in the States anymore now that I've had it in China, (laughs) you know? But okay, so I knew the trek was going to be difficult. I really thought I was out of my league the first day. It was so damn hot. And you started over 10,000 feet. So, yeah, struggling a little. I did go out west to visit my folks. So, so I was at like five to 8,000 feet for two weeks. But um, then, it, you know, but then I was at like 1,000 feet waiting for the other trekkers to show up because my flight actually got pushed back, which in a time like these where people are getting their flights canceled was a blessing. But, <laughs> you know, so uh, starting at over 10,000 feet, it's hot. These, these, 
poor folks that came from Ireland, they had their luggage lost and they didn't have sunscreen. So they got some in town and it didn't work. So these poor guys really oh, suffered. No. We get done with the first day. That's one of the longest days. And I cried. Like I blamed PMS. And I was just like, oh, man, I got 11 more days of this. Like, I don't know if I can hack it. And I was like, this All is right, supposed to be fun. <laughs> yeah, part of this is supposed to not suck, right? Because when you go in Tanzania, part of it didn't suck, but this sucked from the beginning. <laughs> and uh, okay, they've got mules. So I'm like, worst case scenario, they'll put my ass on a mule and I'll get sent back to the beginning. And then the guide goes, why is everybody so upset? You Like the, the folks from Ireland were always like 10, 20 minutes ahead of me. They're also 20s or 30s. And uh so not that that's an excuse, but it made me feel better about myself. Like, it's okay to be 10 minutes behind. They're 23, you know, like, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you get out there. And uh, the guide said, most people don't even make it to the first camp until 5 p.m. Uh, Sarah, you're here at 3.20. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, then I'm doing okay, damn it. <laughs> right, exactly. So, uh, it's tough about... Half the people and the team ended up with traveler's diarrhea. One guy got sent back the third day because he tested positive for COVID. So they kept an eye on his tent mate and kept an eye on us. The rest of us seemed okay. Carry on. Um, And then the last day, like, well, what we thought was going to be the last push to K2 base camp. I was a little shaky and I was cursing because there was one part where a bunch of people ran ahead of the guide and they were sliding and they're going <laughs> to, if they fall, they're not getting back out of this crap. Wait a minute. Why did, why would they run ahead of the guide? I don't know. I think they were just eager to get to where we were going, but I don't know why, like there wasn't a lot of control. There were a couple of times that since folks were so far ahead, I didn't, I couldn't see any guides. There was one way behind me with people that had altitude sickness and two were way ahead and there are a couple times i took some routes that weren't (laughs) weren't the best sometimes they either made for mules by mules or they were made by the porters that the porters are just amazing athletes that they carry all this crap and they're nimble as fuck so they just go Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and they're used to the altitude and uh they want to get this over with so (laughs) but um shit so uh the guy said, uh, hey, Sarah, maybe today you don't go to K2 base camp. And I said, why? <laughs> kind of came out like that, too. He goes, don't worry. Not everybody goes. You can see all the same stuff. And I asked again, why can't I go? And then he's like, oh, don't worry. Um, you know, I'll be there. There'll be others there. And I just, again, I started crying again. I Like I said, PMS is really rough for me. <laughs> but I was like, look, I know I'm shaky. I know I'm a little behind the others. But I've pushed this far. And it's not the same when it's only four hours round trip, two more hours from where we're going to be camping. And this was at 830 in the morning. So it's not like we were at risk of like it getting dark or anything. So I was upset because it felt like they just didn't want to keep an eye on me and have to keep us all together. <laughs> you know, so we got to K2 base camp and we stayed there for about an hour and a half. So I don't know why it would have been an issue for me to even go my 10 minute slower pace. But we go and like Nims die up there. His his people are setting up all his gear because he's going to show up in 10 days. And so his guy is giving us tang. <laughs> you know? I'm just like, wow, I didn't get to meet the legend, but it was real close. I'm like, where? You got to drink his tang. You got to drink his tang, (laughs) man. Shit. And uh, on the way back, I 
I ground all the way out, man. I was, I made sure I was ahead of fucking everybody. And I was the first one back to base camp. And I gave a high five to the guy that wanted me to stay back because of whatever reason I said, I told you I could make it. And, and this so is, I- and this is why we love you right here, right there. <laughs> oh this man. Moment. This was for every, every young lady that's been told you shouldn't play in the mud. That's for boys. You're not strong enough. Don't even try. No, fuck you. This is for all of us right now. So, and that's what, that was my mantra when I was like, this isn't for just me. I'm going to make it. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, so we get back and we're like, okay, so there's, there's like five people that are going to go up over the pass. I knew I wasn't going to train enough for something that you're going to have to use more upper body strength for, because training for this was going to be, and I just know because of how much I was going to have to work to pay for it and to pay for you know, bills while I'm away for seven weeks. Cause that's how long this, not the Pakistan part, but I, I disappeared this year. And, uh, so we, there's 10 of us that come back the other way. Well, normally we'd be able to walk a fair amount. There's some camping involved. And then the Jeeps would pick you up at a certain point. Well, we get to that. We get to where we're having lunch and we're seeing all the other companies that are around us getting picked up and leaving. And we're starting to get anxious because it's starting to rain out. And we know rain means landslides. So I didn't get involved. I tried to stay calm and stay out of it because there's not much you can do. And some people were actually losing their temper a bit with the guides. Not appropriate, but understandable. So next thing you know, we're down in this dirt road. They've brought a tarp out to put over us so we're not getting all because now we have all our gear too and all our winter gear. So heavy, just you don't want this stuff getting soaking wet. It's even heavier. And they gave us a choice. They said, We have one Jeep for you guys. You can all get in this and go, and you're gonna face landslides, or you can stay here and we don't know how long you're gonna be stuck here, but at least you'll be safe. And of course, everybody I'm with is like, yeah, yeah, let's go. Except for like one person. She wasn't so sure, but her flight was also the next day. So they're eager to get out of there, <laughs> you know, and my gut is screaming at me. I know I can be anxious, but this wasn't anxiety. This was my gut saying, you're going to fucking die. And so I, I hopped off the damn Jeep. You know, Sarah, to pause you right there. I work, I work with a lot of, with a lot of people as, as a therapist and as a first responder. And one of the things that I'm always teaching people and I, and I teach women more than men is how, what what it actually means to listen to your gut, because so many Mm -hmm. of us have anxiety. So many of us are overthinkers. Um, you know, we get stuck in our head, but when, it, it's it's a lesson that has and it has saved my life and a lesson that will save your life, um, you know, and uh, make things a lot easier if you start to listen to it. So just wanted to just wanted to stop on that point and just really acknowledge how important that is. Big time. No, I, I agree. And sometimes I have trouble telling the difference. Is this just me being anxious about something because I don't know? Because like you guys said, it's <laughs> kind of iffy when you don't know anything and you're just you got the Internet to go on. But um, no, that's this I knew was my gut. And I I tried to talk to the guy that was in charge of that, at that point because I told him, hey, the tourist police officer wants to talk to you. Like, we, we got to make a decision. He went over, talked to the tourist police officer, and then he left. He didn't even talk to us. So now I'm feeling abandoned and pissed off because I didn't pay somebody to act like this. But he's also been chewed out by half the people. So 
communication is crap at this point. Anyway, so I go down and I say, look, my flight's in a week. Cause I thought I was going to have to like take COVID tests and stuff to get out of there. So I had extra time. I'm like, you guys can go. I'll stay here with my stuff. I don't feel good about this. And he goes, no, you said you need to leave early. I offered you guys rooms. You didn't want the rooms. He never offered us rooms. <laughs> and I was not. And he's like, and you yelled at me. I said, I, I took a deep breath to make sure I stayed calm and polite. But I mean, I got his face a little bit and said, I never yelled at you. You know, I never said I had to leave early. That were these folks that have their flight tomorrow. And then I don't know why, but I got on the freaking Jeep. <laughs> and this is where it gets interesting. As we're all going, it's starting to get more dark out and we cross this waterfall and we slide a little. And I think mm, that's when some of the people in the back of the, well, plus now it's raining into the Jeep. And so all our gear, we're all getting heavier. And I'm like, oh, this is how landslides happen. And uh, we, when they felt the Jeep slide a little with the landslide, some people started to go serious like, ooh, this might be risky what we're doing right now. Like, this is what uh, I was trying to tell you people. Yeah. <laughs> and this was just one waterfall. And we're like 20 minutes out. We get down a little further. And this other guide comes out of this school waving his arms. and be like, hey, hey, you guys, there's, there's no road up there. And so we pull over. And it was too dark for me to get a video. But I'm not exaggerating when I say we hopped out and watched as the road was being eroded away in front of us. So thank God I had that little conversation with the guy that delayed us a few minutes because we could have been on that. Yeah, it saved your um, life. Yeah. So uh, the tourist police officer, he uh, he said, I got an idea. And he had this key that was, I guess, to a few things. I think it was a skeleton key. And we slept in a polio clinic that night. We put all our gear in one room, stripped off all our wet crap, and everybody crawled into their sleeping bags in another room. And as I was bedding down, I was still kind of frustrated. I'm like, I fucking told you guys. <laughs> you <know>? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were nice. They brought us the, the tourist police officer. I don't know where he got it, but he brought us like cookies and crackers and soda so that we had something to munch on. And everybody's like sharing food. And I'm like, guys, we should probably ration this. <laughs> we don't know what's going on. So we get up in the morning and it's just kind of like, kind of funny at this point. It's like, wow, <laughs> I never thought this was going to be part of the adventure. And they talked about army evacuation. I contacted Troy with my satellite phone, like at the little spot. Cause I have those. So I can like, let them know, Hey, I'm okay. Cause mm-hmm. he's an awesome partner to be like, well, it makes me nervous, but I know that you're smart enough to do your research. So, you know, I, I try to make it less scary for him by being able to contact and say, still okay, feel like crap, but alive, you know. <laughs> uh, and he's trying to contact the embassy. The embassy wanted my uh, passport number, my insurance, but they couldn't get it from the company for some reason. Company said they didn't have that. Now I know I gave them that information before I hit the trail. So that was frustrating. And they said, just work with the local authorities. Well, eventually... They said, hey, the locals are going to build you guys a bridge. <laughs> so oh they, they make this bridge. It, it worked. It was a little scary because, you know, if you fall on that river, and there was one river crossing I fell in, but we, well, a lot of us did. It, the, the crazy part is you can't see the rocks under the mud. The, muds are, the, the water's got rocks coming down the mountain that are the size. I'm not shitting you, like soccer ball size, football size. So you step in the water. And it doesn't matter how deep it is if a rock's going to take your feet out from under you, which is what happened. But luckily, I, the company was good about they 
they threw me onto the bank before I even had time to worry. Because with how cold the water is, it just knocks the wind out of you. You can't react because all of a sudden you're shit shock, you know? So, so you don't want to fall in this river and there's a little, we got to cross. Okay. And we're celebrating. And that's when I find out that, okay, so I'm not going to be able to weasel my way out of this for the embassy. If there's other Americans or anything, figure it out. We get to this next bridge. That was the one I had a picture of where part of it was dangling and part of it was still attached. And so this guy, he had this rope that looked like something Tarzan would use and he lassoed it and strapped it to the other part of the bridge. And we used that as a ladder to get across. And oh I was laughing like, thank God for obstacle course days, because that made this a right? lot less. Yeah. Daunting. You know, like, Fuck, <laughs> all right, let's do this. And the, but I, um, the, the tourist police officer could see I was a little uneasy about this whole situation. So he took my hand. It was guiding me. And I let him do it because he was getting pictures for his website for PR. And I was like, fuck, whatever. Let's just do it. Okay. And uh, this guy, um, Abdullah, this angel, fucking angel named Abdullah, uh, he took my, my 90-liter bag that had all my, like, you know, my heavy pants, my boots, all my snow gear in it. And he took that across the bridge and we got to the other side. I was, you know, we were dishing out money to the people that helped us because our, our porters had been done in the town before this. And Abdullah goes, you have a long way to go. I will carry your bag. And I said, I will hire you. <laughs> and so Abdullah and I hiked down and luckily it's mostly down, but there was more, you know, dangerous spots to go over. The Jeeps couldn't get to us because of all the landslides that had happened. There was one spot where there was a cliff. I don't even have a picture of it because I was so burnt out on worrying. I just was like, what's next? All right. So there's like <laughs> two guys hiking me up. One guy shoving me up by my backpack. There wasn't even like place to put your feet. So I'm trying to stand up. My, my legs are already fucking shot at this point, carrying all this crap and like way more than I trained for. <laughs> you know? So we're going and we're going. And Abdullah and I, we're talking a lot, but nobody's really communicating we're just being friendly and sharing snacks and we're 40 minutes ahead everybody because those poor guys didn't have somebody volunteer to carry their second bag so i'm feeling a little bad but for once i'm ahead everybody so i'm like well there's not much i can do i can't carry you know nine more bags so let's go get them some help so we're heading on down and he brings me to this hotel slash restaurant and I go in and I try to find a guide because they'll be able to speak a little English with me so I can say, hey, I'm, and I wrote the name of the hotel I need to go to because that's where we all stored a bunch of stuff. And I said, I need to get to this hotel. Can you tell me how to get there? He goes, oh, here, share some food with us. You look hungry. <laughs> and uh, we'll get you in the Jeep. We're going to go there ourselves. I had no idea how much further it was. I thought this was close. Oh, boy. And uh, I said, what do I owe you? He's like, no, 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 please, just eat. There's plenty. And he's right. It's a lot of, like, rice and lentils and stuff. So there would have been leftovers. Okay. So it was really sweet for him to just be like, yeah, come on. And then for I went sure. to climb into his Jeep. And this other gentleman comes over. And he goes, wait, wait, wait who are you with? And I told him, and he's like, I'm your Jeep driver. I'm waiting for your, the rest of you guys. Where's the rest of you guys? I said, somewhere behind me. I don't know. <laughs> so I, I eventually, I was hanging out with a soda waiting for the ever folks to show up. And one sees me over the hedge and he's like, Hey, good job being ahead today. What's going on? I'm like, well, at eight and I'm waiting for you guys. 
I said, where's everybody else? He's like, oh, they've gone on ahead. I'm like, this is our Jeep driver. <laughs> He's like, we have a Jeep. So they didn't tell us that we had a Jeep waiting like at any point. <laughs> so, so did the like, other people miss the Jeep? They, thankfully, they didn't because they had to go another across another river crossing. Like I said, there were several. And on the other side of that river, we would have eventually found like, there was two more. There was three Jeeps total. So just one was waiting for us there. I guess the idea was we were supposed to all eat lunch where Abdullah brought me, but everybody said, screw it, I want to go home. So they skipped the spot where they were supposed to stop for lunch and missed that Jeep driver. And we got in the Jeep. Oh, man. Oh, thank God. Everybody. So we found out out of that eight-hour drive, there's three hours of driving left. So it gives you some idea of all the the walking we did (laughs) on adventuring in the sun, too. And the Jeep driver, okay, so we're going and we come across another landslide and we're all like, oh, does this mean we're done with Jeeps already? And the the Jeep driver does like a 29 point turn and he goes, there's another way. And he goes down the rocks and over the rocks and through the mud. And we're like popcorn in the back of this like Jeep from the 50s that they smuggled from Afghanistan. (laughs) And and we're laughing and it's wild. We're trying to get freaking concussion and he goes i'm sorry it was dangerous and we're like that was awesome man you didn't make us walk <laughs> you know? so, so, Sarah, sean so you see how like when when i was following this on facebook why i was sending why i kept sending you these pictures i'm like you're never gonna believe what's happening now so sarah the so the start from base camp down that's like twenty eight thousand feet right and then and where when you were like doing like essentially like river crossings and mudslide crossings. How, like, what was your altitude at that? I, Cause I, I don't like for people that are listening out there, right. Like to have the idea of like exerting hard physical labor to like cross stuff, like at like whatever your altitude is, it's not like doing it at sea level. That's like the, the other no. thing. Like, and it's not <laughs> even like, it's not even like being at like, so in right the U S like we're talking about like 14,000 is like a typical, like, high altitude thing that we do in the U.S. and in Colorado, right? All the 14ers and then Mount Whitney's what, like 16,000 or something like that. And there's, and you're talking about starting at 28,000 and like working your way down and you're doing crazy, crazy shit and crazy like, and having these, like just dying to get to these Jeeps while carrying heavy packs. Like, well, well, K2 base camp luckily only gets us to like 16,000 feet, oh, okay. 16 something. So I think where we started to deal with the landslide stuff, we like started like 13 and below because that first camp we started at, I know it was a little over 10,000, but then below that is when there started to be a lot of problems. And I, I just, oh, I can't even imagine. So what happened, the group before us got stuck in the snow at base camp for three days because they had so much snow. We had absolutely perfect weather, which I was psyched about because you don't want to get to K2 base camp and not be able to see K2 if you want to take pictures. I was so grateful not realizing that all that sunny weather we had was going to bite us in the ass on the way home. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Yeah, sixteen thousand is is no joke either. Yeah, and, I, guess, uh, I guess I guess K two the height of K two is twenty eight thousand is is what. I, but what, yeah. Sean, Sean, she said only. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Well, compared to Kilimanjaro, you know that's that's where I'm coming from with that. I know it sounds silly, but that's like when you say I'm only doing fifty miles today, and I'm like, yes. oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so you made it out. 
yeah, no, made it out. And then I made the mistake of having a lemonade in town because at that point I was so burnt out on caring. I was like, what's the worst happens? I get the runs. (laughs) But then uh, after a few days, it was great. I got on the plane and got out. Oh yeah. So they, the 45 minute flight that got us back to the beginning, we, we didn't get, we took uh, two days, 26 hours of driving to the guy to begin the trek and then 45 minute flight to get us back because it's all based on the weather. And I, and I thought it was a little scary then. Cause they said, sorry, we can't take the planes because of the weather. There's going to be landslides. We got to take an extra long way up because this is, and I, and I said, I'm not posting those pictures right now. Cause my parents will <laughs> really freak out and there's nothing any of us can do. I'm going to tell them about it once I get back, <laughs> you know? Um, but, but then, yeah, after, after that, I, we jumped over. That's where I got to meet Troy. Cause he doesn't get to take as much time off from work because he works for an actual company you know he's a he's a bar manager Troy Troy, just for for everyone listening is your partner yes yeah Troy's my fiance we've known each other since 2000 we met way back in art school Mm -hmm. and we've been friends but then we're like you know we make a good team and so 2017 that's what got me out to out here by Cape Cod because it was either me move this way or him move to Colorado and as much as my heart is out there the way we were gonna like be able to save money, pay down some school loans, all that fun adulting stuff was me coming this direction. Right. And that was, that was pretty close to when I met you. Cause I remember you telling me, I remember that you telling me that story about just having to make that decision and, and all that. So. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I was crazy. I was excited to be at a mountain running camp that weekend because I actually, I feel like I did okay. I was like the first one down Pico and <laughs> I was like, Hey, all right. I still, and I remember, um, Sean was like up and back and up and back on the way up. And, and he's like, come on. I was like, nah, no, <laughs> I don't have that much Colorado left in me, but I'll be one of the first ones up here. And that's when we had that awesome picture with you guys at the, the sunset. Yeah. Oh, you know, we should include, we'll, we'll, I'll include that with the, with the social media postings. Boy, that, that is a great picture. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really great time. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah that's one of my I, I tell people all the time i'm like that's like one of my favorite places to like run and they're like but it's just a, i'm like yeah but no, it's cool yeah you don't understand it's you get yeah. like good views all the way up all the way down and it has like if you hit it at sunset it has a perfect sunset and yeah, yeah. you can yeah. see you can see all the way to chittenden reservoir on one side you can see you know it's just in the background way way back you can see mansfield i mean it's pretty awesome yeah, no, it really is. And, and you get, once you get spoiled with views, man, it's hard to go back. Yep. <laughs> you <know? That's> <laughs> so you and Troy did a little bit of traveling after your, your adventure. Yeah. So we just did relax. He, he doesn't like to suffer for fun. <laughs> He's smarter than I am. So he said, what um, kind of guy is that? <laughs> The one that hey, at least he's supportive of me being crazy, and but he's smart about. He wants to sit on the beach, (laughs) you know. So did some beach stuff, did some snorkeling. uh, Went to an elephant sanctuary that we made sure was an actual sanctuary because it's so risky to go. Like any of them, there's so many places you can go, and they're like, here, ride an elephant. I'm like, nope, nope, this isn't where we're supposed to be. But they, they had a really great class in the beginning. They're like, okay, so we're going to feed the elephant a banana. But 
don't tease the elephant because they will slap you for fun. But when they slap you, it's not like a friend. It's like a hammer. And you're like, okay. <laughs> it's not like a friend. How many of your friends are slapping you, Sarah? I just want to know. <laughs> no, I didn't say this is the, the guy in charge. And I got to remind you Sean, that I'll marijuana you. was I'll, just I'll legalized. I'll slap you as a friend. Yeah. <laughs> not I like a totally, hammer i could totally well, I'll, I'll dem next time i see you sean i'll demonstrate both i'm gonna slap you like a friend and then i'm gonna slap you like a hammer so you know exactly what they're talking about i'll oh, do it man. totally volunteer excellent <laughs> oh well i i i yeah i'm i'm a little bit I'm a little bit speechless, which doesn't happen because I'm just, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've said this to a couple people. I think in the English language, you know, we use the word like, oh, I'm so jealous, but jealous has a connotation of like mean or evil, but it's like, I'm, I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm so jealous, but in a good way. Like I'm so excited for your adventures. I'm so excited you made it out. I'm so excited for all your experiences. I'm so excited for even, you know, your journey just simply to get there. Like it's yeah, it's it's mind blowing. The it's way no, I, I appreciate that. And the way Troy puts it, because he gets a lot of well, for, first he gets like when I was going to Tanzania before he showed up, because he showed up for the Zanzibar part. <laughs> you know, let's go to the beach and the safari part. But people ask him, well, first they say, You're gonna let her go by herself? He goes, Have you met her? I don't let her do anything. She tells me what she wants to do. And I say, okay, as long as you've done the research, uh, I support you. <laughs> and and yeah, then they say, aren't you jealous? And he goes, I'm not jealous. I'm envious. But I'm not jealous because I'm not upset with her. He goes, she works hard and she, you know, she doesn't, <laughs> she makes yeah. it work. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's just, I, I feel totally happy for your experience. And, I, and if somebody has a word that expresses that, that's not, <laughs> that doesn't have a negative connotation, I'm open. But I, I just think it's so cool. Thank you. I appreciate it because I'm just, I'm just doing it and I'm always happy to like, I'm always trying to get everybody to go, Hey, this is where I'm going next. Do you want to go? Can you go? But I am also trying to be sensitive that not everybody can just drop everything and go and plan anything. Like they, they got parents to take care of. They've got kids to take care of. They've got jobs where they can't take that much time off. And there's a lot of limiting factors that I try to be sensitive to. I know there's a fair amount of privilege with what I do with being able-bodied and things like that, you know, mm -hmm. and I, mm -hmm. I try to do my best with helping others, when we go places like, Hey, maybe give them a little, I don't like when people say don't tip extra. It makes them lazy. I'm like, so if somebody tips me extra for a massage and I take an extra day off to spend with my family, I'm lazy. No, that's life, man. <laughs> so exactly. I, I dish out as much as I can in, in a, a way that makes sense. You know, it's not just, Oh, you were here. If like we had this one guy uh, on the, on the mountain, he was considered the waiter. Janwari. If you were to read his name, you and I would probably call it January. But anyway, Janwari would above and beyond. And he was always like, he'd clean off our gators every day. He'd oh my goodness. say, hey, come check out this animal out here. Hey, look, the mountain just peeked out of the clouds. You're going to want to catch this before dinner, before it goes away. He was going above and beyond, you know, like people like that. And and you want to be a guide someday, man, you're going to need something more than a windbreaker. <laughs> Here, right. don't let everybody know, but, <laughs> you right, know, exactly. <laughs>
Wow. Well, now, now that you're back to typical life, why don't you just tell us more about like what you do on a daily basis, how people can find you. And whoa, 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 whoa. Um, before we go back to that, <laughs> hold on, sorry, hold on, sorry. what I want to know is, so now you are back to typical life, but what's, what's the next, next big oh, thing? Oh, yeah, true. Sorry. I shouldn't oh. have skipped that. Cause I know, I know, I, I like, I know how it is with me and I'm like, Oh, I already know what like the next thing is like once the one I'm currently in is done. Right. So, and, Oh and, yeah, I have yeah. to, otherwise I get wicked depressed if I don't have something to aim for, you know, yeah. it, 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 it makes me go to work. It makes me excited to show, I mean, I love my job, but you know, let's be honest, <laughs> I'd rather be climbing a mountain, you know? So, yep. um, so, well, I wouldn't call this an adventure. It's more of a personal thing. I'm going to go, hopefully it works out this year, to an ayahuasca retreat in November to help work on some anxiety stuff. Okay. And uh, so that's November. If it works politically, we'll see. I took. I decided the PCT isn't what I want. I saved a bunch of money, and I was like, you know, this was hard enough, and this was 12 days I don't think this is actually what I want to do. So I've invested in a trip into Mongolia that it's an all women's trip and you get to learn from this uh, lady huntress and you get to plant some trees over there and ride bikes between the yurts. That's next June if there's enough flights. And then, yeah, and then if you're able to do this, this is the one I'm trying to get people to go on. I'm investing. I'm already paying for this. Uh, have you guys seen the rat race commercials on, on Facebook? No, oh. no, I have not. Oh man! Well, they got some wild, uh, all kinds of terrain. Whether it's biking, people are doing, or running, or whatever. But I think it would be a really cool way to see Santorini, Greece. So there's um, part kayaking and part. It says uh, you can run or hike it. You know which one I'm going to do. <laughs> but you like run kayak. all the way. Yeah, you go ahead and tell me how it goes. No, but there's <laughs> a there is a, a sea to summit that that they're putting on that is running all the way it's like over mount olympus but i'm going to do the one hopefully if everything works out and covid doesn't throw, throw any surprises my way you know um kayak and then you it's like i can't remember how far you hike and then you kayak further and then you hike the rest of the way and i said what better way to see that island so that's next october not this one but next october Nice. So those are the goals for the wow, foreseeable cool. future. <laughs> All right. So you will have to come back on after that to tell us about that trip. <laughs> hey, if people want to hear it, I'm happy to share. I want to inspire more people to get out there. So my, since my degree was gender equality and sport, I'm doing this stuff to show people and women in particular or anywhere in between. There's, yeah. there's so many genders I don't know the correct words to, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to be polite. I don't know, but. Whoever you are, don't let the boxes hold you back. You know, if if you want to do something, maybe I can help you find a way. You know, like, okay, I was up weed in a yard from one, one till five in the morning before I went to regular work. But that's a little money in your pocket, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, so and regularly. She, and, yeah, and Sarah's not kidding. It, she she will help you figure out how to make it happen. That's That's no joke. You just got to be willing to get uncomfortable to do it because it's not cheap. And that's the hardest part is the money, the logistics. Like all you got to do is do the research and be willing to like have to deal like, oh, God, we had to rebook our flights to Tanzania. I think it was six times. 
you're gonna you're gonna get a flight and you're gonna know it's either gonna get canceled or changed. So make sure you have enough time off from work that if, if you don't show up when you're right. supposed to, you're not gonna lose your job unless you don't care and then you get another job, you know, or work for yourself, <laughs> which is what I've had to do is learn how to work for myself. So <laughs> same, same. <laughs> so, so Sarah, I got a question for you in regards yeah. to like the people that are on these trips, right? Like you work really hard to afford these trips and stuff like that. But I imagine, and I'm not saying that people don't work hard for whatever they do, but I, I imagine that there's probably also a lot of uh, very privileged people that are involved. And does that like twist things a little bit or does it not enter into the way you, you approach it or how does that, how does that all like? Well, it's, it's a, that's a good question. There's um. Like we had actually a famous conductor with us from Italy on my last trip. <laughs> so, you know, we're like, he's used to being comfy, we imagine. <laughs> but uh, the usually, I don't think, like a lot of times we will ask to just be, like when we went on a safari, there they said, do you want to include other families in the vehicle with you? Or do you guys want to just be alone? And frankly, Troy and I work opposite hours and a lot of hours. We don't even have Wi-Fi. We don't have Netflix. We have nothing like that because neither one of us is really home enough. And we are. We're generally crashed out <laughs> before whatever. And so um, my point is we're, we're, we don't usually pick trips where either there's a lot of other people involved or we say, hey, we just want it to be us. Or we're choosing from it's small enough companies usually that that like everybody's going with like G Adventures or whatever the ones with the big glossy advertisements that we're like we're not paying for that we want to pay the people <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's it's easier to get away with not having as many people involved I think if we went with the more well known companies we'd get more of that <laughs> variety with us gotcha awesome thanks for that. Yeah. So, so tell us about, tell us about your work. Tell us about what you've been doing lately and I mean, just about how people can, can get in to see you. Promote yourself, Sarah, promote yes, yourself. Because what oh, you do is, man. what you do is amazing. And the fact that I wish you lived closer um, <laughs> and I wish you had a license in my state. <laughs> listen, listen, That's we, part of it. We whore ourselves on this podcast. You might as well get some of that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if it helps at all. All right. So I, uh, I left the franchise world when I got back from Tanzania and it was great for getting a lot of experience. But when I saw so many women that, didn't have as many choices in life. I came back and was like, why am I not making better choices for myself? And so I put in my two week notice the day before I got back to work and I didn't know what to do really. I thought about working for myself. And then I found out in this state, you still need a, li a separate li license to do mobile massage. And I was pretty bummed because you know, they got Corey check all this stuff. Um, my friend Rob was like, I think you should check out my studio. And I checked out Cape Cod Wellness Works out in Mashpee. And I talked with the studio manager who's a massage therapist and used to teach massage and just uh, has an apothecary. She creates this awesome CBD stuff called Muscle Calm that it's like magic. I don't promote stuff that I, I don't believe in. But uh, after that two feet of snow we got, Troy and I used it and we felt fine after. I was like, wow. 
this stuff mm. really works. But anyway, she's got her hands in a lot of healing modalities and we have like Reiki practitioners and we have yoga downstairs and we have a sauna downstairs and everybody is so grateful for getting to work there. We work there as independent contractors. So even though we offer services that are on the menu, like if you have something you want to add, you get to say, this is what I want to charge. This is what I want to do. And I've been trying to get more into sports massage. So that's like I was saying, um, a sports stretch that it's, it's a method of sports massage, uh, that it was invented by, I don't know how to say Christy's last name, but, uh, she figured out a way to be able to work with athletes. Like I said, on the mat, on the floor, fully clothed. And I'm trying to introduce more people to this because for me, like I said, on the, on, when it comes to table work, I like doing more gentle, more stretching, more relaxing, using like neuromuscular cupping, using heated salt stones. I love using the muscle calm when I'm able to. Sometimes people are worried if they're in like government jobs, but mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Just uh, so I'm, I'm with with all yeah. that I've been through. I've I've definitely it, it, you, you name it. Um, you know I've I've tried it <laughs> in yeah, all the rehabs. So yeah, it's it's amazing. It's totally worth taking the shot, and and every practitioner is going to be different. I thought it was really interesting how even when I was taking massage classes, even though we all read the same book, had the same instructors, we all turned out so different in the way that we practice. And that's the thing. It's like a regular therapist where you got to find what works for you. Like if somebody comes in and they just, I want you to beat the crap out of me, I get a little intimidated because that's not what I'm good at. <laughs> I believe in finesse. <laughs> sports, sports stretch um i'm imagining is a lot like thai massage um where it's it's massage and assisted stretching and like you said fully clothed and my experience with thai massage i had an athlete um when um when i lived in connecticut and i was working with her and we bartered and and she she did Thai massage on me every week, every two weeks. And I have to be honest, I at that time I wasn't very good at taking taking care of myself. I never would have gotten like weekly massages, except I was bartering with her. So we really had to do this because she was paying me, and you know I was paying her. And it's it's still to this day one of the greatest modalities I ever experienced. Uh, and and yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, tell us, tell us what it's like for what, why, why athletes should get a sports stretch. How does it help? This is, it's talking about how like everybody we're, we're all good at like, we're not great, but you know, better at the training part, sometimes okay with, with the nutrition part. Some people are real good about that, but when it comes to actually slowing down and making sure that your, your muscles can say reach their full length. And I try to show people an example. I'll, uh, I'll take, if they have like long sleeves on, I'll gather a bunch at their elbow and say, now throw a punch. And I, mm. then I, then I go, okay, now without any restraint, go full extension, you know, like, and when your muscle is able to use its full extension, you're going to have all your power. But unless you're actually stretching for long enough, which a lot of people don't realize, like, and I know growing up in gym class, they said, yeah, you should stretch, but we never talked about how long or how often. And so getting into where you go and somebody actually does that a few times, because it's very repetitive, but that makes sure that you get enough time in those positions. Cause people are like, yeah, I took yoga or 
uh, or they'll get pissed off. It's like, I'm stretching every day and nothing's changing. And I say, well, how long are you stretching for? No, like 20 minutes. No, for each stretch. Oh, you know, five, 10 seconds. Well, you need enough time for the fascia to react. And I send them home with a video to go watch on YouTube. That's called the fuzz speech. And it shows you somebody has oh, frozen I shoulder. Send that, I send that to my athletes. I know the exact same video that you're talking about. Yes. Isn't he amazing? It's, oh, I love that video. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I yeah. use it like Santa Claus. It's what scare yes. people into doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if, if you're if you're not trying to make sure that your body moves the way it's supposed to, then it's not going to mm-hmm. support you in all these adventures. And that's part of my goals, too, is I like it when people are like, Oh, I, I, oh, you're you're forty. I thought you were like twenty seven. I'm like, well, good. Then I'm doing something right. <laughs> you know. Well, thank you, thank you for sharing your experience with us. And if if anyone is is in Sarah's area, I highly encourage you to go see her. Not only because you're such an experienced and talented practitioner, but just your, you know, your life experience, your energy, and is something that I think many people will want to be a part of. At least we do. Oh, That's you. why we're talking. About <laughs> it means a lot, guys. Thank you. I just, I just do my thing. But if I can get other people excited, like I like seeing people excited to learn. And, and I'm not saying everybody has to go to Pakistan, but even if you're just like, I'm going to go to New Hampshire and do one of those mountains for the first time, something, you know, just get out and feel alive. Uh, you know, maybe you feel like you're dying to feel alive like we do, but you know, <laughs> well, well, that's, that's why I think the alive, that's where the alive comes from. It's like to, to know the true feeling of being alive, it kind of helps if you feel like you were dying for a while. Cause then, you know, the, then, you know, both sides of it. Well, we talk about like appreciating, like the simple comforts that we have every day. And you don't, if you don't ever get out of those simple comforts, you just take it all for granted. That's for sure. Man, having hot and cold water to choose from and it's clean enough to drink. Holy crap. Do you know how many people in the world would kill for that? And I'm not exaggerating or to be like, well, I'm cold. I'm going to turn the heat on. I mean, I'm not saying it's easy for everybody. Like I said, I know there's a fair amount of privilege. Like where I'm just like, I have choices. Holy crap, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it really makes you, if you take the time to think about it, there's a lot to think about when you go other places. And I never thought with this when I was younger, but I'm getting old enough now that part of what I like about leaving is coming back. Like I missed my kitchen. I miss, right. I love the food. I love trying all the new food, but I love being able to have something predictable that I know isn't going to make me sick. <laughs> you know, Not that everything is, but sometimes I try a little too much stuff that I shouldn't, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. And I just want I, to thank you for, you know, taking the road less traveled. Like I said, you're, you're still involved in doing endurance athletic events type stuff but like not in the traditional form. And like, I wonder how many people think that they have to do it, whatever, what, like running, like, like I said, running marathons, riding a bike for whatever, like, and not realize that they can go out there and have an experience in a different way and like really become a part of the world in a greater sense. And that's, I think what you kind of bring to the table and, and why, why it's awesome to talk to you in, in this regard. Well, thank you. There's just so many avenues to do it now. And 
once you get out there, you start to meet the other people that do it too. It's really rewarding to go and you're like, we're sitting in this, you know, 15 passenger van on the way to Timbuktu and people are all talking about, Oh, the time I went to Ireland. Oh yeah. The time I went to Tahiti and, and nobody looks at you like, Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just what we do. It's awesome. And, and everybody wants you to be excited and share too. You know, you get the gear geeks in there. They want to know if you got the newest stuff, whatever, but for the most part, everybody's very happy to share their experiences and, and be like, how, how can I get there? How, or, or is there another place I can go that is similar, but we're not overwhelming the environment. And that's, and that's, that's the big part of it. <laughs> I just want to let you know, as a gear geek, some of us are say, like pretty Sean's cool. A gear geek. <laughs> <laughs> but are you a jerk about it? That's the oh, thing. Oh no, I'm not a That's triathlete, Sarah. <laughs> but you know, the thing and I was, I was, I think I was talking to, I think I was talking to the other Sarah that we had on the podcast when we were when we were hiking in the whites, and I was explaining anything I know about technology is because I'm asking you or my friend, John Harris, <laughs> because I just don't, I don't have the wherewithal. Like I don't have the energy to put into it, but I know, I know I need it because, you know, I like my watch for the navigation and I also need it to keep track of time so I can <laughs> get back in time. But, um, any technical issue I have is, is either going to you or, or to John. Um, cause um, I don't know. So I appreciate that you're a gear geek, so I don't have to be. I want to say about 50% of the time you send me a question. I'm like, you have Google, Megan. What the fuck? <laughs> no, I just want to ask you. I, I, I trust you more than Google. I don't, <laughs> I, I legit don't trust Google. And I think it's maybe it's because of the work I do, like in medicine and psychology, there's so much bad information out there. And also the other thing that bugs me is anytime I need to do anything, it, it pulls up a YouTube video. I am not a visual learner. I do not <laughs> learn that way. So I have to either read it, hear it, or touch it. And so I'm scrolling down for a list. Do this, do that. And when I text you, you just text me a list of things to do. And I'm like, thank you. I appreciate it. You are my Google. I am your Google. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, like I said, it's, I don't want that to sound like everybody that like i'm grateful when people know too and to be honest hell if if i had more money to throw around that i wasn't spending on plane tickets i'd want to look into that stuff too so part of my ignorance is uh, i just can't afford it so i'm not going to even tempt myself because i'd rather get a plane mm. ticket and figure it out the old-fashioned way right. but when people gotta turn it into a competition like they're better that's when it gets irritating oh yes. i hear you yeah. yeah that's yeah i'm getting too old for that sean Oh my God! Megan's new catchphrase. We got it. None of that. None of that BS. <laughs> All right. So, so as we're winding up, um, we need to do two things. Um, Sarah is going to take us out with a song, but um, Sarah and Sean, I want you guys to just kind of walk along with me on on your phones. Sarah, what kind of phone do you have? Oh, do you have an Android? Do you have an Apple? See. Yeah, just an Android. It's a okay. Google okay. 4A. <laughs> okay. Something that so, works. <laughs> well, what what do you listen to podcasts on? Do you what medium are you using? I really don't. I just look it up and 
like on okay. the on the website you guys have. So see, that's part of it. I'm I'm like an old lady. <laughs> okay, that works, and this is why we're doing this. So we are this podcast, comfortably uncomfortable, is on pretty much every podcast medium that's available. And if there's one that we are not on, by all means, somebody just just email us, and I'll get on it. But the most important thing that I really need you to do is, and for both of you, is follow our podcast. And usually, um, well, actually for you, Sarah, um, you can just follow it right on the website and mm-hmm. um, right on the, and that's Podbean. Um, you can just just click follow. That's all you have to do. Um, Sean, I know you're, um, I know you're on Apple Podcasts and I think the other mediums are the same way, but there's a little, there's a little, um, at least on Apple, there's three dots in the top right-hand corner. So click that now. Already did, Meg. I, I yeah, follow. I go. follow myself. And and then you click on follow show. So I we really need people to follow the show. It helps us. Um, in in I'll just say in podcast ways because I'm not going to really pretend I'm smart enough to to talk about all this <laughs> marketing stuff. So let's just say, please, whatever medium you're using, whether it's the Podbean website, like Sarah mentioned, um, you know, Apple. Um, you know, it could be Pandora, Stitcher, whatever you're on, please follow us. And if you don't know how to follow us, Sean is really tech savvy, as we mentioned. <laughs> and uh, and you can reach out to Sean. No, seriously, if you don't know how to follow us, you can you always reach out to me and, and Sean and we'll walk you through this. But it super helps us um, because Sean and I aren't marketing people. We put this podcast out here because we just want to continue the experience that we have, um, when we're in the woods or when we're, you know, riding bikes or, you know, whatever it is that we're doing outside, um, we want to just keep that going. And that's what this conversation's for. So it please uh, support the podcast today by following us. If you haven't already, that was my little, that was my little spiel. Thank you guys for, thank you guys for bearing with me. Thanks right. for hanging out just, today. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for hanging out. And if you don't like Johnny Cash, fuck you. <laughs> Where does like that from? <laughs> oh, just 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 a just a call back, Megan, from a couple episodes ago. Okay, all right. I, yeah, I like Johnny, Johnny Cash's Cash. outlaw music. Yeah, man. And you know what? Actually, I went to a party last night and I had on a Johnny Cash T-shirt. I don't have it on right now because I came from work. Um, Is but, it the one uh, where he's got his middle finger up? You have that. No, one. <laughs> it's not that one. I love that though. I love that. Actually. <laughs> I mimicked that picture as many years ago. I was up on a mountain and I don't know who I sent it to, but I did that whole, I'm, I'm kind of sticking my finger up and scrunching my eyes and nose together. I I might have to dig that, that photo up too. But what I was trying to get at was speaking of music, Sarah, you've picked a song to take us out. You've picked, um, rival sons keep on swinging. So tell us about this song and please tell us why you picked it. Oh, I love this song. I can't tell you anything about the origin or, when they decided to send it out. But, uh, when I'm, when I'm going to tell stuff's getting tough. I, I get tired doing the, <laughs> the extra work. And then when it comes to just put it all together, like, Oh, the flight got canceled again. I know first world problems, but, um, the, that's, that's the motto. Just keep on swinging, keep on moving forward and improving your life somehow. <laughs> like for me, it was going from, random jobs to, okay, I'm going to be a massage therapist and I'm going to learn to specialize in these certain things. So instead of, you know, weeding yards, cause that's fun and great and everything, but it doesn't help as many people as 
sending my butt back to school and <laughs> and it's it just it gets tiring so I put that on and it gets me charged up and like remember you're doing all this extra work so that you can do things that make you feel alive so well I think it. we might have our episode title there we could call this keep on swinging it fits right on. <laughs> thank well, you Sarah, thank, thank you, you for joining us thank you guys this was fun good to talk to you and hopefully we all get to see each other soon that would be amazing. I miss you guys. <laughs> I miss you too. I miss you too. We'll see you soon. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye for now. One day, my friends are going to be answered. Been hungry for something else. Well, there's a will, and there's a way. I work hard because at the end of the day, the Lord helps those that help themselves.